Welcome to another edition of Intentional Conversations. On Intentional Conversations, we seek to interview leaders in men's ministries to help men grow spiritually and help leaders and pastors to reach the men in today's culture, discussing issues men face every day. It is a program where a men's ministry leader interviews leaders in men's ministry. I am Mike Sandlin, your host, and thank you for joining us today. You know, men often try to do life alone. Even when they have friends that they hang with, they still keep life situations close to their heart, close to their chest, rarely sharing that with anybody else. Well, today my guest is someone who speaks into men's lives, helping men to understand they are not fighting this battle alone. My guest today is David Dursek, and before we bring David on, let me share a little bit about who he is. David is the founder and director of Rough Cut Ministries, which is primarily a live interactive men's event which uses action movie senses, biblical truth, and authentic discussion to accomplish a laser-focused mission to get men talking about what's really going on in their lives. David has spoken to over 500,000 men since 2009, keynoting Promise Keepers in New Zealand, Iron Sharpens Iron, denominational men's events, and on military installations worldwide. David is the author of the Amazon number one best-selling Rough Cut Men and creator of Who Has Your Six Men's video series. A native of Florida, men is uh, David is married to Joni, and in between them, they have five adult children and two grandchildren. David, thank you for joining me today. I appreciate it. Hey, Mike. That. How are you, man? It's good, man. It's good to see you, Ken. You know, yeah. it's, it's, man, you know, it's always to, to good to talk to you and listen to you and hear what you have to say. And for our listening audience, as David and I were talk, talking just a little while ago, it's probably been about three or four years since we, he and I have actually been together again. Yeah, I uh, think dealing so. With such a, yeah. And, uh, but uh, it is good to see you again and talk with you. Well, David, you know, I always start my podcast asking my guests two pertinent questions in their lives. And I want to ask you those questions, too. And let's see where we go with those. But first one is, what is a your favorite verse or maybe an anchor verse or even a verse that you may hang your hat on, so to speak, in regarding to rough cut ministries? And why is that verse so important to you? Well, I... It, um my verse is kind of all three. I have a whole bunch of different verses that, that just come out, but there's always one that, that harkens back to my life, my marriage, my relationships and the ministry all in one. And it's just one part of the words of Solomon in Ecclesiastes four, where he says, but pity the man who falls mm. and has no one to help him up. That's oh, yeah. one that, uh, <laughs> you know, I'll get a phone call from somebody and, and my wife, uh, I'll, you know, tell my wife, I got to go take this phone call because we believe in our house at ministry is all about the one, uh, you know, Jesus would leave 99 sitting on the side of a hill to go after one. And that's what ministry really is. Mm -hmm. It's not about crowds of people. It's about that one person. Yeah, uh, and you know, I, she always tells me, reminds me that God wants his men back. That's, uh, kind of our ministry slogan, so to speak. Uh, and my, my return is, you know, pity the man who falls because I believe that there's kind of, only three places that any man could be at any point in time. And that's going into a battle in the middle of a battle or coming out of a battle. It's almost like we live in this cycle of, of three different stages of life and what we do and how we steward those battles after we get out of them, as far as helping other men get through them. That's the most important part of ministry, I believe, but that's my life verse. I mean, I, if I got tattoos, that would be on me somewhere, but I don't. <laughs> well, that's a, that's an important verse to me. In fact, I tell I tell uh, 
men's leaders a lot of time when I talk to them that, you know, a lot of men's ministries, a lot of your local men's ministry organizations in their local churches use uh, Proverbs 27, 17, it's iron sharp, it's iron, so it's one man sharp enough, which is a good verse. All scripture is great. But I tell them, you know, I think that verse that you were just quoting, you know, it comes out of Ecclesiastes chapter four is probably more pertinent to men's ministry and help them to understand that because it is about the one and being able to be there with the with an individual. So if he falls, you're there to pick him up and and pity the man who's falls and doesn't have somebody. To That's pick right. Up. Well, That's another one. Of, another one of my favorites is Proverbs 17, 17. Everybody always falls back on 27, 17, but 17, 17 says a friend loves at all time and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Oh yeah, and, uh, that's another one. That's a that's a combat. That's a combat scripture, oh, yeah. uh, for the most part. But yeah, that's those those words of Solomon are strong and they're yeah. relevant even today. You're absolutely right. You got it. You got it. Well, uh, the other question I'd like to ask me, or my guest, is how did you come to Christ? When did you come to Christ? And, and <laughs> what's that story? And I always wow. tell them. I always tell them. <laughs> I know that we can we can go for a while, but I want I need you to bring this down to a little Reader's Digest version, if you can. I can do I can do that quite easily. <clears throat> Excuse me, got to clear the throat. Um, I met the Lord in my thirties, uh, early thirties, very early thirties. Not to say that I didn't have people all throughout my life that were telling me I needed Jesus. My typical response was Jesus. Who? Um, I had a close, uh, kind of a close call with the Lord at one point when I lost a very good friend in high school in nineteen eighty three. Uh, but then I just sort of jettisoned everything. I did not grow up in a Christian home. So uh, God wasn't invited to my first wedding, nor was he invited to the divorce. <laughs> and <clears throat> that's when I met him, really. I I, I had been um, hearing very clearly that he was wooing me, so to speak. Um, and then everything fell apart. And I um, lost essentially everything, my home my marriage, my kids, all that kind of went out the window. And I was driving across the Sunshine Skyway Bridge, which goes, which is where I live in Tampa Bay. It's about mm -hmm. 185 feet off the water. It's a, mm -hmm. it's a jumper bridge, actually. Guys uh, and ladies will jump off of this bridge. It's been there since 1986. They just finally figured out that it would be a good idea to put fences at the top. <laughs> so they literally just finished the fences like last month. But they have crisis intervention phones and uh, when I got to the top of the bridge, I was in my car. I was homeless, and I had whatever I could pack in the trunk. And I said, God, if you're if you're there, this would be an outstanding time to show up. And there's a lot of truth to the you don't know how much you need Jesus until Jesus is all you've got. Mm -hmm. uh, and every hair on my arm stood up, and I got to the other side, <clears throat> saved, was baptized not too terribly long after that in the Gulf of Mexico. And within several years, I was in, in ministry full time. And God gave me a, a chance to get remarried and be the spiritual leader that he called me to be. And so I got a great do over married way above my pay grade on the second pass. And that's kind of it. And I've been chasing after God ever since. So the next time I go across the Skyway <laughs> bridge there in Tampa, when I cross the top of, I gotta say, this is where David Duesay got saved. <laughs> yeah. You know, what's really cool, Mike is every time I travel, I mean, I fly a quarter million miles a year normally. Yeah. Um, Every time I drive to the Tampa airport from where I live south on the south side of the bridge, I, I have to drive over that bridge to get to the airport. And God reminds me when I go over, that's my, 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 my Jordan river, you know, that's where I crossed over my Damascus. So to How speak. about that? How and about so every that? time I go do ministry, I got to drive over the same bridge where he saved my butt. How, how about that? that that's, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's good that you, uh, I, I just can't imagine that, uh, you know, mine was in a bedroom and, 
in Wilmington, North Carolina, all by my lonesome self. I can't go across that bedroom anymore. I'll probably get arrested if I did now. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, so good. Well, let me ask you this. How did you get, you got, I, I hear, hear you saying about coming to Christ, but how did he move you into ministering to men? Why did you, why did, how did you get that passion, that burden? Because we, you know, you and I both know to, to minister to men, you've got to have that burden. You've got to well, have that passion. You got to be dumb as a box of rocks sometimes too. I remember when I, <laughs> when I first, the first person I ever told other than my wife that's, and I felt that's kinda, I was, that's kind of true. <laughs> first time, the first person I talked to when I first felt that this calling was real uh, was Dale Schlafer, who was with Promise Keepers. He's a neighbor. He lives in, in the town not too far away. And we were sitting at a McDonald's and he's the guy who was one of the guys who spearheaded the stand in the gap uh, for Promise Keepers in D.C., and I said, you know, Dale, uh, I, you're a mentor and I feel like this is something I need to do full time. And he said, well, David, let me just tell you that full time ministry is moments of sheer joy interspersed with long periods of abject financial terror. That was how he put it. Uh, and being an accountant by education, it was it was it was kind of a, eye, you know, giant eye moment where it's like, oh, my gosh, man, what am I getting myself into? But I was I was selling homes. And uh, building uh, in a large community uh, as, as a home builder, and I was sitting in the model, and which I did every day, waiting for people to come in. And and the market was at this point slowly disappearing. It was two thousand four, but things were starting to fade in the marketplace. And I kept getting these emails from this guy with a group called Florida Men of Integrity. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, you delete, 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 delete. Not interested. And then one day it just hit me. I had spent all this time sitting in a model and I've been able to go through the Bible cover to cover like three times because no one was coming in anymore. And I sent him a, an email saying, I think I'm being called into full-time ministry. The dude called me like five minutes later and sent me to the national training center, which was what it was called back in the day in Orlando, which is now no man left behind, right? which is Pat Morley and crew right. and went through that uh, long, you know, four day training and really had a fire lit under me. And so I went to Pat. Uh, I was driving over to Orlando every Friday for their Bible study. Now it's you know three hours away, and in order to be there by six thirty, I was up at two thirty in the morning. Pat thought I was absolutely nuts. You talking about a Friday morning Bible study? Oh yeah, I, oh, I would man. drive. I would drive from Sarasota all the way to the other side of downtown Orlando, which wow. is three hours away. Yeah. If you don't have traffic, just so I could be there for an hour, and and literally, I think Pat thought I'd lost my mind, and. <laughs> One day I, I said, you know, I really feel like I'm being called into this. And he had some content in the back that had never been used. So he took me into the back of the man in the mirror office. And it was a, a, a four hour training called reaching every man, which is a condensed version of no man left right. behind. I started doing them all over Florida. So I was the, I think Pat called me the pioneer, the pioneer of the field network, so to speak. And so I was doing these trainings all over Florida and I did an event at, in Panama city, a guy came up to me and said, you know, I really love the fact that your examples are your own life mm -hmm. and not, I have a friend who, mm -hmm. uh, and I got a train wreck of a life, you know, prodigal kids. I was a prodigal you know, suicidal son. There's all kinds of stuff in that, that mess. He asked me if I would come and lead their uh, weekend long men's retreat in Dothan, Alabama. I said, sure. Cause I was new to ministry. I heard the word honorarium mm -hmm. and we were hungry. So I, mm -hmm. I had a seven hour drive home. <laughs> I had a seven hour drive home to think, what did I just get myself into? Because I was doing a four hour training with a handbook 
now this guy wants me to talk all weekend. And I got, I mean, I'm not that guy. <laughs> and when I got home, I told my wife, I said, well, it's, you know, got a pretty nice fee to it and, you know, to support our ministry. And, but I just don't know what I'm going to do. And she said, why don't you take those movie clips that you've written down and, and do something with those. So I went to Blockbuster, uh, which back, you know, that's how you got movies back then. Went to Blockbuster, rented all the movies that I needed, took them to a buddy's house who was a TV producer, ripped out the clips that I needed, sanitized them for language and content, burned them all onto a master DVD, and then drove to Dothan, Alabama, and uh, did our first ever Rough Cut Men event, which now has been around since 2008 and has been presented to just a shade under a million men around the world. Wow. Wow. Uh, and that's in person, not counting the virtual the side of it. So yeah. that's kind of how it started, you know, and, and I was still doing leadership training with man in the mirror and we started picking up momentum with rough cut men. And so I had to choose, you know, I was straddling a fence. So I went all in on, on rough cut men and, you know, we had some starts and stops, but really solidly for the last 15 years, it's been ridiculous. I mean, God just keeps putting us in places that we should never be. <laughs> I don't know how it happened, but I just, it's like being on a roller coaster. You just hold onto the handles and go wherever the rails take you. Yeah, man. That, that, that's, that's super, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I follow you a lot of times and see where you've been and where you're headed. And I'm just amazed at how God chooses you in so many areas of, of ministry. It's uh, it's just a, it's just a phenomenal what God has done in your life and how <laughs> you've impacted men. So <laughs> I laugh, I laugh because it's just utterly stupid. I mean, I, I, re I remember, uh, I, I got to tell you this, cause this is one of the most amazing things that will resonate with anybody listening. Who's, who's got this thing that God's telling them. It was 2003. I was in the nosebleed seats of the arena in Orlando. Um, and it was promise keepers. And I remember uh, Joe white who was kicking off mm -hmm. on Friday night. It was my first ever right. promise keepers in 2003. And I remember as Joe was building the cross by hand, all you old dogs who've been to PK, oh, yeah. remember that. Oh, yeah. I heard God very clearly say, you are going to do this someday. And I laughed because I'm like, okay, you're, you're two seats off. You know, you mean the guy over there? Because I'm afraid of microphones uh, at this point, <laughs> mortified of public speaking. Whenever, whenever I go to a training and they pass the mic and all you have to do is say what your name is and where you're from, I would like find a reason to go to the bathroom so that I didn't have to be that guy. And I would turn sheet white and sweat and shake. And it's just my name. And I couldn't even do that right. And I knew nothing about the Bible. You know, I'm like, this, Joe White, you know, and Glenn Wagner and all these legends are down there. You know, Erwin uh, McManus. And I'm like, Ooh, my mind's blown. I just dismissed it, you know, because it was, I was a new believer. It was, I ministry was the furthest thing from my mind. And then uh, fast forward, Wellington, New Zealand, 2017, September. Uh, I am backstage with a promise keeper shirt on wired up with a microphone notes and Bible in hand about ready to deliver the Friday night kickoff at promise keepers in New Zealand in Wellington. And as I, had my foot on the step to go up on the platform as the band was winding down. They were introducing me. God said, you see, I told you. And it took 14 years from the time I heard him say that. I mean, I'm not lying. I, I heard it. <laughs> you know, it wasn't an audible voice, but it was clear 14 years, almost to the day from you're going to do that someday to me actually doing it. Uh, it just to this. So if God's making you wait, just because you're waiting doesn't mean he's sleeping on the job. Amen. Got to put things in the right place. 
And I'll tell you, you know, it's, it's uh, to those of us who's in this ministry, it's amazing to hear the number of people like yourself and and uh, we'll talk about the fact that, you know, we weren't we weren't speakers. We didn't like to be in front of people. We, you know, uh, t- telling me um, 15 years ago I would be doing podcasts or speaking in front of men, <laughs> I would have laughed at you, you know, because that's that, that wasn't me. I was an introvert, you know. No, uh, at the I'm an extra. I'm an extrovert, but I'm just an idiot. <laughs> I'm the guy who, you know, I've got a ready fire aim mouth that comes out. It's like, oh man, maybe I shouldn't have said that. And it's already on its way to its yeah. unintended target. Even if you'd have told me, I would have written not one but two books. I, I'm an English minor, but writing books, please, you know. And God makes I, God just makes a way where there. He I uses relate. anybody. He must. <laughs> yeah, I, I relate. I relate. <laughs> I really do. Well, David, let's get let's get down to some nitty gritty stuff here. Sure. Let's get let's get down, put the rubber on the road, so to speak. What do you see is the greatest need in men today? Truly, I have lived my life. You know, going back to the life first. I've lived my life in ministry, recognizing that whether it's the military or the world of the church or just men in general in the world who don't have an affiliation with either one, the greatest destroyer of men is isolation because isolation leads to everything. In the military, it can lead to addiction, domestic violence, alcoholism, suicide. And now we're seeing the same things manifest in the church. That's why pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up is so relevant Mm -hmm. because I and I can go to church. I had five kids. I, at one point, we had five teenagers under the roof at the same time. And we would drive to church, and I would be on one side, my wife would be on the other, five kids all smiling, dressed up, perfect. And we were the hashtag marriage goals family. But what you didn't see was the behind the scenes that she wanted to throw me out on the highway on the way to, to church. And if we live our lives with no support, no uh, encouragement, you know, a lot of us grew up in the pull yourself up by your bootstrap, self-made man kind of a ugh, uh, type of an environment. I know our, my generation certainly did. Our dads just said, you want it, go earn it, you know, and get up, brush the dust off and just, just a little blood. Mm-hmm. But a lot of men right now are really not okay. Yeah. And I think we've got a culture of it's not okay to say I'm not okay. And I think that as a church, we have a, a, a brilliant opportunity to de-isolate because when we de-isolate, it takes us out of the pornography addiction. It takes us out of the marriage problems. It, I mean, it really will. If, if you've got an Aaron on one side and a her on the other holding your arms up when you can't anymore on your own, that's when God does his best work. Uh, so I think that's really the, the number one killer of men right now, spiritually and otherwise, is just being alone. Yeah. Do you think the and I hope our listeners will hear what I'm asking here. I think you will. But do you think the culture that we have developed within our churches and has led to men being isolated and not being more forthright in their struggles? Well, the disclaimer is that we all need to be connected to a local body. You know, that's just part of what it means. Just like if you're in the army, if you're in the army, you have to be a part of a division. You have to be a part of the Corps. You have to be a part of a brigade, even though there's 5,500 soldiers in your brigade. But really at the end of the day, it's not, you don't win that war on, on the parade ground with 15,000 of your closest friends in class A uniforms, like Sunday morning, you win it when three other men jump into an armored vehicle with you and you go outside the wire and you're fighting an enemy that the Bible says wants to steal, kill and destroy, whether it's real world combat or spiritual warfare, 
the tactics, techniques, and procedures are, are pretty much the same thing. I think that we have this misperception as men that we need to be on stage all the time, that we got everything figured out. Okay, that's mm -hmm. part of the problem. Second problem is relationship is the key to everything. And I cannot have a relationship with you unless there's two steps to come before that. First, we have to spend time together. Yep. Once we spend time together, that will develop trust. Until I trust yep. you, I'm not telling you squat. Then <laughs> once right. I trust you, then and only then we have a relationship. Yep. Now, if we rely wholly on the church, the organization, uh, put the onus of all of the uh, all of the gatherings back on them, we end up with the I think it's Pat Morley who says, you know, the Saturday morning burnt pancakes, two testimonies and a prayer yeah. Saturday morning. I've been to those and I don't go to them anymore. And it's unfortunate. But the reason that I don't go is we all sit around. We hear a 20 minute devotion. We eat some really good food. And then when they take prayer requests, nobody says anything. And right. finally, finally, a guy who is can't stand everybody being quiet will put his hand up and say, yeah, my my grandmother's Pekingese dog in Poughkeepsie has cataracts and we need to pray for her because her husband's gone and the dog is all she's got. Meanwhile, the guy to your right is wildly addicted to internet pornography. The guy to the left isn't sure if his junk is going to be on the front porch when he gets home, yet he doesn't want to go there because there's not any trust because you cannot develop a relationship once a month, period. Whether it's your wife or whether it's a girlfriend or you just can't. You can't develop a relationship with your own kids if you see them once a week. So I think that's what as where we've dropped the ball is if we have an earthquake in Haiti, we send a team down there to rebuild houses. If we find out that there are kids in, in a dump in Managua, Nicaragua with no shoes, we send shoes. Mm -hmm. Yet we have marriages collapsing, family units dissolving, a political divide that's now become the idol of many, mm -hmm. more so than evangelism. And then we're all going to get together. We're going to do an eight-week video series uh, about the life of Paul mm -hmm. while everybody's life is falling apart. So we need to shift our focus as an organization to meet needs just like we do anywhere else. And I would encourage anybody who's leading men that's listening to this, ask your guys, you know, hey, we're going to do we're going to do something together for the next, you know, 12 weeks. Uh, what's more important, finances, marriage or parenting? And let them tell you the direction that you need to go. Put some shoes on the kids in the dump in Nicaragua instead of giving us absolutely useless information. Not that the life of Paul is useless. It's just we got people falling apart all over the place. And the enemy of our souls is figured out if you take the man out of the family, you can kill the marriage, the kids, and the generational legacy that comes after him. One shot, multiple kill. And that's the scenario he's been fighting in since the Garden of Eden. Oh man, amen. I know. I know. When we do uh, conferences, we talk a lot of times about we have X number of men here, but but in fact, uh, you're really affecting uh, multiple individuals. You could have a hundred people there, but it could be thousands that you're affecting. Uh, oh yeah, by, by the way you're ministering to them. So it's uh, it, it, that is so true. Uh, the enemy affects that. And one of the things I, I, that bothers me a lot of times, David, when I when I uh, sit back and I go in and do some consulting and so forth with men's ministries is finding out that we spend more time and there's nothing wrong with this. I don't want anybody to start sending me emails about this, <laughs> but there's, there, you know, we spend so much time in putting teams together to go somewhere else to help other people. 
and we don't spend any time uh, diving into and helping our, our men's lives that are right there next to us. Agreed. And uh, uh, I, I have a saying that I often say a lot of times is often told, really trained. Men are often told what they're supposed to do, but we're really trained on how to do it. That's right. And, and that's, and that's uh, uh, pouring our lives into, into each other, as Paul talked about. One of the things Pat used to say to me and uh, that I just, I still, it's, it's something that, that resonates with me all the time is we work with perhaps the most neglected people group in the world to your point and guys everywhere, but we, you know, the most neglected people group right now and has been for decades is the men in the United States or the men in Australia, the men in New Zealand, you know, the places that I go, there's just no investment. Yeah. And it's unfortunate. I agree. I got I got to do is look. All you got to do is look at the local church budget, and I'll, and I'll tell you a there lot you go. there. Where's that men's? Where's that men's ministry line item? What do you mean? <laughs> so all you got to do is look at that, and yeah, uh, you'll hear them talk a lot about men's ministry and reaching the men's ministry. But when the rubber meets the road, you see that there's uh, very little that they're doing in that area. So you bet. So interesting. I know we talked about the greatest need. What do you see as the biggest struggle in men right now? Abject discouragement. It, and it can be in any number of different arenas. But again, you're not going to get that when you sit down with a guy for the first time. There's got to be trust there. But I mean, I encounter guys, we've got over 100,000 people that follow the Rough Cut Men Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And because of that, we see anywhere from three to four million people every 28 days coming across our content. I get messages and uh, emails all the time from guys who are on their way out the door or their wife just left uh, or they have a kid that that they can't seem to get reined in or they have a kid that they haven't spoken to or a grandkid that they haven't spoken to. Uh, they're miserable at work. I mean, you name it, I, I get it. And it, it's all that big D word, you know, discouragement, which is comes from the father of lies who speaks his native tongue. Uh, discouragement, depression, disappointment, those are all enemy words. You know, anything that begins with a D most of the time you can just give right to Satan. And these, and we see because of that discouragement, it manifests itself in a number of different ways. They're discouraged about their marriage. So either they work on it, which is work, heavy on the work, or they start scrolling through social media and they reconnect with an ex-girlfriend because they reinforce the fact that, you know, hey, my wife's not telling me this, so maybe this person can fill in that void. And the problem is that when we get into those phases, whether it's pornography or inappropriate conversations or trying to make a quick buck, because work's not working out. So we're going to invest all of our money in, in real estate or Bitcoin or whatever is most of those. If you give me five decisions in front of me and I don't have anybody to bounce those ideas off of, you know, Bible says there's wisdom in a multitude of counsel. I will pick the abject stupidest one out of the five nearly every time, Mm. because I'm going to go with my gut. I'm going to go with my feelings. I'm going to go on my emotions, my heart, which is deceptive. It mm-hmm. says in the Bible, in Jeremiah. So, I mean, we need other men in our lives for that very reason. So men in your life will help de-isolate and also encourage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once you've got both of those battlefields covered, then you kind of have the enemy surrounded and at least the tide of the conflict will turn in the favor of godly manhood because two, three guys getting together saying, how's your marriage? How are your finances? I've got a good buddy of mine who will literally call me out on just about anything, including things I post on social media. I'll sit down with him and say, man, Joni and I are really having a rough time right now. And his response is, well, what did you do? You know, he always points it right back at me 
Because men, we're the spiritual leader of the home, family, community, marketplace, church, and the world. Because we're the spiritual leader, they're going to follow. And nobody wants to follow a, a lame leader. <laughs> so I see discouragement as probably the need that, that really needs to be met most of all. Mm, that's, that's good. That's good. Well, David, I know you have a big connection with the military and yep. uh, doing a lot of lot of lot of work in the military, not only in the states but also over in Australia and New Zealand. You have a, a, a huge connection with them, and we kind of mentioned it towards the beginning of the uh, program that you did a series a few years ago that's been out I don't know probably four or five years now called "Who Has Your Six Video yeah. Series." Why don't you uh, why don't you share a little bit about that? Because I tell you what, I've I've watched those video series and they're pretty. Pretty intense and pretty pretty neat how you pulled all that together. Well, obviously it has a laser-focused vision just like the rest of the ministry, and that's to get guys connected to each other and to talk about what's really going on in life. And I create an environment of comfort by being very transparent myself. Uh -huh. uh, I love movies, right? So uh, my book, our live event, everything is centered around movies that every man knows, whether it's Rudy or Saving Private Ryan or Armageddon, Forrest Gump. Uh, all these movie clips and I use their biblical lessons kind of mixed in to Hollywood mainstream movies. And that's what I identify, whether it's a father wound or a legacy issue or the isolation I was talking about, or the need for support, encouragement, accountability. Um, and so I use movie clips when I come to speak and they're kind of parables and I put them up on the screen and um, then I, you know, I lead up to them and then I finish off. Well, the army, I, I wanted to be in more than one place at a time. And there's only 365 days in a year. And we got to a point where I was working with the entire New Zealand army, the 101st airborne here, the 82nd, uh, not the 82nd, the third special forces, 101st, uh, first cavalry division. I mean, every major iconic army unit you could name, mm -hmm. including West Point multiple times, the Naval Academy. I mean, we've been all over the place, but I wanted chaplains to have a tool that they could use. So we, somehow over the span of 18 months, uh, first raised a quarter million dollars with an idea, with nothing nothing to back it up. God provided everything we needed to do this work. And we went all over the world. And I, I had this dream. Uh, it was kind of one of those Ephesians 3.20 things where he could do exceedingly abundantly beyond anything you can ask or imagine. I always wanted to do a video series. If I was going to, it was going to be movie centric, I wanted to do a walk and talk wherever the movies were filmed. Okay, and mm -hmm. I had my locations in my head. It's like, I am not going to do Rudy unless I can do it in the game day locker room and on the football field at Notre Dame. If I'm going to do Saving Private Ryan, we're going to do it on Omaha Beach and in the American Cemetery in France. Well, Mike, we actually ended up over 18 months doing exactly that. We hired a production company. The, the movie, the, the, uh, the series is very fast paced. The videos are 25 minutes long. The idea is to get guys together for one hour. Uh, in the middle, in the army, one hour is actually 50 minutes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but the goal is to get guys together for an hour, watch a 20 to 25 minute video episode, then spend 35 minutes using a turnkey facilitator guide that comes with each episode and lead these guys through this progression from an inch deep and a mile wide out into 35,000 feet of water uh, as they go together. And we were able to film Forrest Gump. We filmed in BioLabatry on the deck of a shrimp boat <laughs> We were soldiers. We filmed on the jump field at uh, and and Doughboy Field at Fort Benning, where the first Cav uh, Airborne guys or the Air Mobile guys did their training in the '60s for Vietnam. 
Facing the Giants, which is a great uh, a great church movie. It's just one of my favorites. We filmed all that in Albany uh, in the end zone. And we used the death crawl scene, got to film it at Sherwood Christian Academy right there in the end zone. Top Gun, we filmed on the deck of an aircraft carrier in an F-14 and then up in the bridge uh, in the captain's chair and then down in the in the uh, the belly of the boat as well. Rudy, game day locker room in Notre Dame, and then all over the campus. Armageddon, we filmed on the floor of Mission Control, and then we went to uh, Cape Canaveral and filmed part of it in the vehicle assembly building where they used mm -hmm. to build the Apollo rockets. Right. right. Uh, and I'm trying to think of the, the uh, golly, I'm missing one. Oh, well, uh, I'll think of it. I, I've only done them so many times, but the goal is to to replicate what I do in the live event, but to keep it interesting. Our, our demographic in the army was the 18 to 25 year olds. Mm -hmm. And because of that, that's the Snapchat TikTok generation. That's not someone who's going to scroll four hours through Facebook and read a post that, you know, says see more at the bottom. They're right. just not going to do it. You know, get right. on my screen, get off my screen. I'm done. So we, I don't, I don't even do that. A lot no, of times. me either anymore. <clears throat> uh, but the idea was to, to get, to make it impactful, fast moving, loud, Mm -hmm. uh, but guys love it, man. We've, we've had over, uh, I want to say at this point about a thousand groups using it since we released it to the church because in November of 2019, praise the Lord for that because 2020, um, we were able to launch the video series on our website on the ministry side and made it available to men's small groups. So we've got small groups literally all over the world that are using it now. And I get emails every week about the impact it's had on either a one particular man or a church. So if you're looking for a video series, give it a shot. It's eight but weeks, it is, tw 25 minutes a pop. Yeah, it, it is good. There's no doubt about it. And and I'm not diminishing it in any way, but I'll tell you what, you need to watch it just so you can see all those scenes that where David <laughs> David shot those uh, videos at because it will amaze you and you will be thinking, how did he get here? You know, <laughs> I still I still can't figure it out, man. I, and, you know, the, the comical thing about it is when we were on our way to France on the plane, I knew in my head that I had a rental car and I knew about three and a half hours from Paris. That's where I was going to find uh, Omaha Beach. But we didn't have any approval to go anywhere. So I got the whole production company, rental van, wife next to me, and we're on our way in this drive. And my wife's like, so what's the plan? I said, well, we're going to go to Omaha Beach, and then we're going to find a spot to film. She goes, well, who's our point of contact? I said, we don't have one. <laughs> I said, but it'll all work out. And sure enough, it, it did every time. But, man, yeah, that was that was a lot yeah. of fun. And in and a lot of the videos, I don't tell you where I am until partway through the video because – that's one of the reasons why guys come back is it's like, I wonder where this joker is going to be next week because every yeah. time we're in some place, it's just completely different. And it, what a thrill. My bucket list is completely checked off from that trip. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't help but think when you're talking about your wife was asking you to plan, you know, sometimes we'll do that. We'll be out there and our, our wives will look at it and say, what the plan? And you look at them and say, well, God ain't told me yet. <laughs> <laughs> And it's not necessarily the one, the, the, the answer she's she's looking for. But hey, she man, that's, the same, that's, the same, that's the same thing Abram had to say to Sarai when he said, hey, we're going to leave town now, and we're <laughs> supposed to go to the promised land. I have no idea where it is. Yeah, that's right. But let's go. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. Let's talk about your new book that's come out this year, I believe. Yeah. Um, the Battle Tactics for Biblical Manhood Learned from the 7th Cavalry in Vietnam. Yeah. Sure, sure. How did that come about? And what's uh, the premise of the book? That's another one of those weird situations. Uh, I love We Were Soldiers. It's actually the first episode in our video series and one of the opening chapters in my first book. 
And I thought, you know, it'd be really great to do a men's, like a men's book out of the lessons learned from this movie. And I thought, well, you know, you can't really write a book about a movie that's already based upon a book. Cause I think that's plagiarism. So I didn't really know exactly how to go about it. And, mm -hmm. um, I remember sitting at my laptop thinking, man, this is a great idea. And then I heard this whisper, you know, call Joe Galloway. Now Joe Galloway is played by Barry Pepper in the movie. We were soldiers. Mm -hmm. He's a UPI reporter that was embedded with, with the company um, or with a battalion. So I'm like, yeah, right. As if I could find Joe Galloway. And sure enough, I Googled him, found his agent, sent an email, had a phone call 10 minutes later. Then I, I flew up to Concord, North Carolina, where he was living at the time. We just lost him a, a few months ago uh, and interviewed him about General Moore, uh, Hal Moore, who's played by Mel Gibson in the movie. And then through my contact with West Point, I was able to get to all the company commanders. By the time I got to Alpha Company Commander uh, Tony Nadal, he said, you know, we have a reunion every year. You should just show up and come as my guest. So every year since like 2012, my wife and I have been going to the Landing Zone X-Ray reunion. So I get to hang out with all the guys that they made this movie out of. And I interviewed them. And as I was interviewing them, I found these biblical lessons that really plugged in well with how we should live our lives. And really the, the overarching kind of aha moment is the same tactics, techniques, and procedures that worked on the Ayadrang Valley of Vietnam to defeat an enemy outnumbered five to one on foreign soil against an enemy they'd never seen before. Those same tactics, techniques, and procedures work as we battle the enemy that Peter says prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So I put them all in a book. Also got a 21-day devotional, which is the hardest thing I've ever had to write in my life at the end of it, because 21 days forms a habit. And if you want to get into the habit of spending time in the Word, I've given you a turnkey way uh, to deal with every issue from raising kids to marriage, to money management, to that isolation and discouragement that I alluded to using vignettes from the movie and also using real interviews with the guys. There is a video series forthcoming where we're going to do all of my, most of my, my speaking will be done in Vietnam. And then we're going to go to the different homes of the guys that I interviewed in the book. Those that are still with us it took me eight years to write the book, the guys that are still with us. And I'm going to actually interview them with the same content that I put in the book and have them tell their story in their own words. And we're going to create a video series around that. That's my next big idea dream that we're kind of in the process of, of working out. I do have a live event now. And as a matter of fact, this weekend in uh, Mission Viejo, California, I'm going to be bringing the first ever uh, battle men's event with the movie clips from We Were Soldiers and all the content from the new book. So I'm rolling out a brand new event, which is um, mortifying. <laughs> but, but, but I'm intimately familiar with the content, so I just hope I don't screw it up. But it's going yeah, to no, be a good it'll time. Be, it'll, it'll be good. There's no doubt in my mind it'll be good. Well, well, David, we're coming up on our time, and and, sure. and I want to give you a few minutes to just uh, share your heart um, to to our listening audience uh, on ministering to men and the and the need of ministering into the lives of men, and why that is so important, not only for us as as individuals, uh, men to men, but also why is it so important for our churches to deal with this most neglected group in our culture today? 
Well, I could go a million different ways with that, but I'll stick to the to the idea of combat for a minute. I've got a good buddy of mine who's a retired command sergeant major. Don't know how many tours he did to Iraq and Afghanistan. And uh, invariably, you always end up with a new officer. And the joke in the in most of the formations is if you want to get the battalion lost or the company lost, give the map and the compass to the lieutenant because he just doesn't know his way around. <laughs> and, and it's a joke. No offense to my 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 officer buddies, but uh, it's a joke because you've got guys, and it's, I'm speaking directly to to pastors right now. You have men in your church who are seasoned, battle hardened NCOs. These guys wake up every morning and go to sleep every night with this vision of pulling men out of the fray and, and leading the younger kids into combat and teaching them how to clean their weapons, so to speak, and how to you know align to the right formation so that they don't end up killed. These guys have all the skill set we need to lead other people. One of the things that hampers forward movement with NCOs is the officer who says, mm -hmm. no, I got to analyze this thing. I'm going to get into analysis paralysis. We should maybe think about going a different way. And this hard charger is like, no, man, I've already done this 12 times on 12 different deployments. Let me go this direction. I promise you that's the way that we need to go. And that's almost, a, it's kind of a, a, a parallel to what I see in the church. We've got pastors and, and associate pastors and whoever's been put in charge of the structure of ministry to men in the church, they're the butter bar lieutenant, right? I mean, they've got a million other assignments, a bunch of other paperwork to do, and they're also in charge of combat. And if you really want to succeed in ministering to your men, resource those NCOs, those, those hard charger men's ministry guys, resource them with what they need within reason and just get out of the way. And let, they can read the compass. They can read the map. They've been Amen. on that battlefield for so long that they remember what it was like to be a private. And they also now know what it's like to be an E-9 command sergeant major in God's army. And they're ready. They're waiting for you to step out of the way and let them lead. Amen. Amen. That, that is a good word. I appreciate you sharing that because that is, that is a great analogy and a way to put it with the men in the churches uh, being able to reach other men. Super, super tough. Well, David, uh, how can people reach out to you? How can they get up with you if they uh, if they want to know more about Rough Cut Men and possibly even have you come to their church? Everything you would ever need to know is on our website, which is www.roughcutmen.org. And even if you mess that up and go to roughcutmen.com or .net, you're still going to find me because they all point to the same place. But roughcutmen.org has all the books. We have a brand new shop, as a matter of fact, that we just opened that has decals and shirts and all kinds of stuff that helps support our mission uh, as well. There's a drop down for if you want to learn about the live events that I do. The video series drop down is right there. Promo video for, for both the live event and the video series is all there. And of course, a contact tab uh, if you need me for anything. And I do keep my phone in my pocket and the phone number and email both come right to my pocket. And like I said at the beginning, it's all about the one. So I will never dump you into voicemail if I'm not, if I, unless I'm otherwise preoccupied. But I promise you, I will text back. I will call back uh, because we're in this together. It's a dress rehearsal for eternity. We're all going to be around the throne crying, holy, holy. At some point, it's inevitable. So why not get to know each other on this side of heaven? So I'm, I'm, I never want to be so big that I forget that we're all, the ground's all level and we're all buddies. And we're all in the same fight. 
Amen. And and I will affirm to you, if you want to go more about uh, David and his group, go out to roughcutmen.org uh, and you'll be amazed at the amount of information and resources that are available to you there. And David is right. Uh, he's not he's not just uh, kind of blowing smoke at you. He will get back to you if you reach out to him just as soon as he can. If he doesn't answer the phone, I can attest to that. So <laughs> it's a it is a uh, it is a his great brother to have in your back pocket, in your toolbox, so to speak, to reach the men in your church. Well, David, I appreciate you being here. You've given us some information to think about. You've given us some information for uh, leaders in our in our local body of believers to to think about as a begin to develop their plan you know, to attack uh, the situation of the battle for men's souls uh, wherever they're at in, in this nation or across the world. We do have listeners all across the all across the, uh, the globe that are listening to this podcast, and I appreciate it. Very cool. Good. Um, as we close this program, I I'd, I'd, would encourage you also to check out my new book, The Call, A Journey into Men's Ministry, that you can find on Amazon.com or BarnesNoble.com. And when you get that book and you read it, be sure to leave us a review on one of those two sites of the book. I appreciate that very much. And if you want to know more about uh, what we do on this program and what this program is all about, you can reach out to me at kfearmen.net or you can email me directly at mike.sandlin at kfearmen.net. And uh, I will uh, actually be just like David. I'll get back to you just as soon as I can. So it's good to have uh, good to have you with us, and I appreciate it. And like a mentor used to tell me all the time when he got through praying over me, he said, I pray God will give you a rock to stand on, a brook to drink from, and a tree to shade you by. God bless you, and when you join us next time on the Central Conversations with Mike Sam. Hope you have a great day, and God bless you.